so many people that I talk to, they're like, how do I get started with this? Like, am I crazy for wanting this, right? Am I crazy for thinking like, is this even possible? And I'm like, yeah, of course it's possible, you know? But if you're not around people who are doing the thing that you are interested in doing, it's just, it, it doesn't seem possible. Hey, what's up, you guys? My name is Mikko Kraszowski, and welcome to episode 70 of That Remote Life Podcast, where we hear from location-independent entrepreneurs and professionals so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Now, today on the podcast, I'm joined by Sam Kern, a digital nomad speaker and the host of the Radically Different Podcast. Earlier in the year, Sam's TEDx talk titled The Surprising Power of Remote Work went viral. And I think the reason for that is that it hit a nerve, if you want to call it that, of what makes the digital nomad movement so amazing. So I want to have Sam on the podcast to talk about a lot of the ideas that he developed in the TED talk. And in that talk, Sam discusses his experiences starting to work remotely as a digital nomad and the huge freedom it gave him to not only travel and experience new cultures, but identify with better accuracy what he wanted to spend his time doing and the goals that he wanted to pursue. And during this interview, we discuss in more detail how he became a digital nomad after he was exposed to the movement on a three-week backpacking trip to Southeast Asia, how he was able to start making an income online within just a few weeks, and we really dove deep on talking about the digital nomad movement in general, how to use it to build an amazing business and lifestyle, and where we think the movement's going in the future. Guys, I had a ton of fun talking with Sam. He's a really, really smart guy, and I think you enjoy his story and input on the digital nomad lifestyle just as much as I did. So without further ado, let's jump into this interview with Sam Kern. All right. Well, Sam, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for so much for uh, taking the time to be here. It's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Of course, man. Well, you and I connected uh, over Facebook and you have a really awesome TED Talk out there that uh, I'm going to have uh, a link for everybody to check out all about the digital nomad lifestyle. So I'm super excited to talk to you about that. And I know that you're currently in Montana, where you're from. We were kind of talking about that before we hit record. With everyone that I've had on the podcast recently, I like to start with this. is like, what is it like in Montana right now with all this COVID madness going on? So it's weird because it almost feels, it almost feels normal, um, which is it's a little bit off-putting. It's almost alarming. It's like, guys, are we, are we restarting again too soon? <laughs> um, but I mean, and even I would say, even a month ago, it almost felt normal. I mean, people still wear masks um, in public occasionally. Um, some of the service workers have masks, but it really like, you know, it almost feels like a normal summer here in, in Bozeman. So it's, it's, it's a great place to be right now, to be honest. And is that because like people aren't taking it seriously and kind of like that political divide or is it because it's just so sparsely populated that people don't really need to worry about like, you know, large crowds and, and, and getting close to other people. I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I would say obviously not like the population here is a lot smaller. People have more, more space. Um, and Montana was like, you know, I mean, it was definitely hit somewhat, but barely hit compared to a lot of big cities in the U S. Mm -hmm. Um, and then on top of that, I think it's sort of, I don't know, 
in Montana, in the West, um, especially, it just seems like it's sort of this attitude that a lot of Americans have, which is, you know, you can't control me. Um, and so, yeah, there's a little bit of like people not taking it seriously. It also just isn't in your face the way, like, you know, I, I, when I was, you know, leaving Guatemala to come back here, like it was just, you're in the airport and everyone is so scared and it's so tense and like really, at least right now, there's none of that energy here. How soon after kind of shit, shit hit the fan did you come back to the U.S.? Like immediately. Um, it, was, it was actually totally crazy. I mean, I was actually the last flight out of the country back to the States. Wow. So I just barely got out. Um, I think it was uh, March 16th. I think it was like Monday, March 16th is mm -hmm. when I left. Um, and that morning was actually the first case that was reported in Antigua, Guatemala. Um, and I ended up just like fleeing to the airport and just hoping that my flight wasn't going to get canceled out of the country. So yeah, it was very, very last minute, very kind of a last minute decision to leave. Yeah. That first week when the travel ban like kind of kicked in, I thought we we're all going to die. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it was just like, here it is every, you know, like American movie about the world coming apart is coming true, you know? And like, totally. I remember, cause like I told you before we hit record, uh, I was in Iceland and we were in the airport and everyone's covered. And like, there's like that one guy that sneezes and everyone just like, you know, like, <laughs> right. like it's, look a, at him. <laughs> it's a horrible time to have allergies. Yeah, 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 for sure. And I was the whole time I was like, is my throat a little ticklish too? Or like, is this just mental? But yeah, it's been crazy. Um, I'm super interested to kind of hear your backstory because it's not every day that you meet somebody who has decided to become a digital nomad who's from Montana, right? Like sure. that must be kind of very different even for like the people like around in your area. And like, how have your friends and your family reacted to the lifestyle that you've adopted? Well, you know, to be honest, it's, it's sometimes challenging to be back home in Montana because I feel slightly misunderstood, not misunderstood, but I don't feel fully understood. I mean, when I'm sort of out in the world, and I'm in these more international hubs, um, people just get it right. And being back here, it's a little bit more challenging because people are a little bit more sort of set in their trajectories and in their ways. Um, but you know, I'm lucky to say that my family is super supportive. They've always been supportive of what I've done. You know, people, people are supportive, um, even if sometimes they don't fully understand what I'm doing. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think it's like when you get down, when you do it for a little bit longer and you start, because you almost have to take a step back, right? Like from what you're expected to earn financially. Like I know that you went to school and I believe you got like a software degree. Am I right I did. on that? Yep, yep. So you almost, there's like an, almost an expectation of what you should be making financially. And when you go down this path, you almost have to take a step back and like kind of build up to it. And so what I've noticed is that people who are able to stay in like on this path for long enough to get back up to that financial income, all of a sudden family and friends are like, Oh, this is interesting. Uh, <laughs> sure. This isn't nuts. You know, you're not, cause I think they imagine like you're like living either off of like parents funding or you're like broke or something like that. And like when you start kind of like doing better and people kind of get a lot friendlier to the concept and start asking more questions and that kind of stuff. Totally. I will say that I think people are, I mean, maybe I'm not necessarily, because I'm only work part-time, right? But I've, you know, as I explained in my TED talk, I've done this very purposefully. Like the, in my mind, the whole idea of being a digital nomad for me at least is about um, having the space to follow your curiosity, right? Having the location independence, having the free time, having the flexibility. Um, 
so I think that like for me, it's like, yeah, maybe some of my friends are buying houses right now, which is happening, right? But I'm like, that's, that's actually not what I'm optimizing for. That's not what I want. Mm-hmm. I want the ability to spend my time um, with, with people that I think are doing really interesting things in different parts of the world. Yeah. Speaking of your TED Talk, something that you mentioned was, um, you know, you had the story that when you left college and a friend of yours invited you for a three-week trip to Vietnam, and that during this trip was when you heard about the term digital nomad. And I'm very curious about that because I remember when I heard the term, it, it was almost something that I was already imagining, but the term was like a Pandora's box that I was able to kind of like Mm. Google and like see all these things. So I'm curious, when did you hear about it? Like, what was that day? Like, who was it? And like, how did you feel? And like, just what happened right after you heard the term? Mm. So actually, to be honest, I think I first, my first sort of introduction to this lifestyle was um, when I was 18, actually, I was a freshman in college and I volunteered for this event called Hatch, which um, I'm still attend occasionally. And I was the executive coordinator for a while. Um, and basically, it's a, a conference that unites 100 innovators and change makers um, for like a four-day summit with the intention of hatching a better world. And um, that year, um, one of the one of the the attendees was Colin Wright, who oh yeah, um, the yeah he was like yeah he's like one of the kind of part of the minimalists minimalists. He's like one of the original travel bloggers, and mm-hmm. he had this thing. He had his blog going where he would spend four months at a time in a different country based on the votes of his readers. And he was very sort of provocative about it. Like he would take photos of like, you know, him fully naked with like just a laptop on his like on his groin, you know, like it was very, it was very picture. like sexy. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was very. Yeah. And, and I remember talking with him and um, and I was just blown away by by the concept. Um, and I ended up buying a bunch of his books and reading his blogs. And so he really like his lifestyle and his stories were really the thing that um, I think gave me the awareness that this was a thing. And I think like my podcast, Radically Different, it's really what that is, like that's what the podcast is about. It's awareness of life possibilities that you hadn't previously considered. And so for me, like that's what Hatch was, that's what the podcast is about. And I think it's super powerful to be exposed to those types of stories. Um, But what I will say is that I did have this sort of vague idea about what it meant to be a digital nomad. And it's funny because actually when I first arrived in, in, in Saigon, in uh, Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam, I, I really had this like this sort of stereotypical idea about what it meant to be a digital nomad. And I sort of lumped like every foreigner who was living abroad into the digital nomad category, which I've since learned is not really um, necessarily a, a, a fair grouping. And a lot of people don't even really like the term. Um, but yeah, so that was my first exposure. And then once I was in Vietnam, that was my first like real world exposure did you get to meet some digital nomads and you kind of got to see what it was actually like other than, you know, your experience talking with Colin? So, yeah, I mean, I, my, I would say, you know, I went on that three week trip to Vietnam with my friend and at the end of it, he, he flew home to start his job and I stayed. And literally that first morning that I was alone in Vietnam, um, I had decided I wanted to start this podcast. And so I was like, I need to find a place to work. And I also want to find digital nomads. And so I actually just ended up like searching for co-working spaces in Saigon. And the first one that popped up was uh, the Hive. Um, and it, it offered like a free co-working, free try out the space on Tuesday. And it was Tuesday. And so I ended up like driving over and I show up uh, in this like three, this beautiful three-story co-working space filled with foreigners. 
right? And I'd been like backpacking around Vietnam. So I'd only been really exposed to travelers. And, you know, Vietnam is like a very, you know, hot and humid country in August. And uh, it felt, you know, so this was like a total, like, like, where did I just end up, you know? And I actually ended up spending like four days just in that co-working space interviewing people. And I ended up finding this pretty crazy story of this group of um, entrepreneurs who were basically in Vietnam to kind of strike it rich. Um, and that was actually my first episode of the podcast. Um, but that was my first exposure. And I, I actually have like all the notes that I was taking when I was sort of sitting there quietly at the co-working space. Like, you know, it was just so exciting and, and so interesting to me to be stumbling upon these people who were doing something that um, I had only sort of dreamed about. Okay. I'm, I, I really want to talk a little bit more about this. I like that you just stayed in Vietnam. Was that planned? Was it just like you were there and you were like, I'm nope, I like it. I'm staying. And if it was the latter, that's a really like, I think that that action is almost unthinkable to 99% of people. Um, what made you confident in, in taking that step? I had a, I had a vague idea that I might stay. I had intentionally booked a one-way ticket because I was curious about the possibility of it. So maybe I didn't like know. subconsciously you were. Yeah. And, and also like, it was one of the things where when I graduated from college, I had this like intense level of wanderlust. Like I talk about it a little bit in the podcast, but I felt so like I, I wanted nothing to do with the US. I just wanted to get out and explore and see the world. And so in a way it was sort of part of the story that I created for myself. Of like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go out. I have nothing to lose. I have, I have nothing I need to go back to. And now it feels like the time. And I think it was also spurred on by the idea of the podcast. Um, I think I'm really fascinated by this idea of creating projects as a way of like fostering boldness and as a way of following your curiosity a little bit deeper. Um, and so I think in a way I sort of created this podcast as a project and I was like, well, what would be the most interesting start of this podcast? And be like, well, probably me staying in Southeast Asia. <laughs> so um, that was kind of the start. Were you, um, were you a big listener of podcasts or like where did the idea for that initially come from? Yeah, I was, I mean, podcasts I think have been my medium of choice uh, in terms of content for a while. I, I, um, I fell in love with podcasts after listening to podcasts like Radiolab. Freakonomics Radio, like those sort of highly produced um, podcasts from NPR, and um, so actually that's why like some of the some of the episodes in in my first season of the podcast are structured like that. I was sort of experimenting with that style. Mm -hmm. Turns out those are an enormous amount of work, <laughs> like an insane amount of work. I actually spent um, seventy hours editing one episode uh, that I ended up not being able to publish because of legal reasons. Um, so, and that, that was obviously like, I was learning the tools and I'm a lot faster now. Um, and I've also just realized that for me, I want to be, I want to be talking to more people. I want to be un, like mm -hmm. discovering more stories. And if I have to spend, you know, even 20, 30 hours editing something, it's, um, <clears throat> I'm not going to be doing as much of that. So I think moving forward, it's going to be, um, occasional episodes that are more of that sort of highly produced thing, but still trying to bring in elements of that sort of more artistic, creative um, uh, essence into the interviews. Yeah. I'm, I'm really thankful that for me, like the, the podcasting inspiration were, were podcasts like Joe Rogan. Cause I was like, I don't need to edit anything. I took the easy way out. Um, yeah. but I'm curious about, so 
going back to this moment where you decided to stay in Vietnam, I'm really curious yeah. as to like, like what were the logistics of that? You know, because you were recently graduated. I imagine you probably didn't have a ton of cash saved up. Um, did you have a plan as to how you were going to, you know, sustain yourself? Like, how did you start working? How did you start making money? Yeah, well, I had enough savings that I knew that if I needed to, <clears throat> like, just book a return flight, I could. And I figured, you know, the cost of living in Southeast Asia, you know, Vietnam and Thailand is so, so low. And I think that created this sense of comfort. Like, it, you know, I knew that basically I could sleep somewhere for $5 a night. And I could maybe rent a motorbike if I needed for $5 a day. And so between that, I was like, okay, like 10, $15 a day, like that's, that can last me a while. Like I have enough cash mm -hmm. that, that I can at least do this for, you know, a month more. But then I did realize once I got to Chiang Mai, Thailand, I realized that I was going to run out of cash. And so I basically, I'd been working on this podcast full steam. And then I was like, oh, like I need to figure out the money thing. So that's when I started freelancing and I just basically put all of my energy into figuring out how to freelance, which was the first time I had done it. I barely had a portfolio, but I'd worked with startups before. And so I sort of knew how to pitch myself. Um, and yeah, I, I worked really hard. I sort of just like hustled for two weeks and, you know, applied for um, gigs on Upwork and was able to find one and land, land a gig within two weeks. So um, yeah, I mean, it was... I think that's one of the amazing things about a place like Southeast Asia. And you actually see a lot of people who, you know, some of, some of the people that were in the co-living space with me, they were literally there for like three to four months, just learning a new skill because they figured the quality of life and the cost of living, you know, between those two is like, they could, they could spend a lot of time just like learning something new. Um, so I think it just gives people more runway. So in a way I felt this sort of sense of comfort of like, I have more time here. Yeah, you know, there's almost like these two paths that get like advertised or promoted to kind of get into the lifestyle. One is you either start a business while you're still at home and you have a job and you kind of build that up to a point where it can sustain you. Or the other one that gets advertised is like, quit everything, forget, forget everything, <laughs> go to Thailand and figure it out. And it sounds like kind of you did the latter and you like figured it out on the ground. But looking back, if somebody was to ask you, hey, how can I do what you do? Would you suggest that they do it the same way that you did? Or would you suggest kind of like another route? I think it would depend on a lot of things. I think it would depend on their skill sets. So like for me, I had done, you know, I'm a, I'm a software engineer. So I had done like a summer internship. I had, you know, built a, a product for a startup that I started, you know, when I was a sophomore in college, I had like enough experience where I had like a small portfolio, nothing crazy. Um, so I think part of it is like, what are the skills that you have? And are they digital skills? And, you know, is it something that you could pretty quickly, you know, find a way if you really focus to, to generate revenue with? Uh, another would be what is your runway? So how much savings do you have? You know, I would think that most people, if they are super proactive and if they're willing to hustle and, and get after it, could probably figure out a way to make money freelancing or doing something online or find a job that allows them to work remotely within, you know, at least a few months. Um, so if you have a few months of runway, you know, if you have like six, you know, I would say, you know, four to six months of runway, it seems pretty likely that you could make that happen. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of... I kind of believe like, at least in, in this case, something about like 
having your back against the wall of like having to make it happen just makes you really step up. I mean, there's something about like comfort and a monthly paycheck that just makes it really hard to, to motivate and really make it happen. Um, and so for me, I was just like, well, I have to figure this out. Both routes work. Like yeah. you can do both things. Um, and I'm sure that it was also helpful. Like if you were in Chiang Mai at a co-working space and you're like, Hey, I need to make money. You could easily turn to the guy next to you and be like, how do you make money? You know, and just kind of like almost get like a head start by talking to everyone that's around you. Totally. I mean, actually, that's a great point, right? Because because for me, it's like your environment matters so much. And so it's it's a good question. Like what, you know, if someone came to me and said, should I keep my job and work on this skill or should I just go? I think if they had enough skills and they knew they really wanted it, I would say just go. You know, if you if you have enough savings to make it happen, to get the flight to go, because the other thing is that it's like, you know, you have to decide if it's something you even want, right? Like if you're in that environment and you're inspired by the people you around you and you're, you're feeling motivated by the whole thing. I mean, I actually had a friend come down to Medellin, Colombia with me, who's one of my best friends. And we, we met here in Montana and, you know, he was kind of looking for online jobs and he ultimately decided that he just really missed Montana. Like he's a raft guide. Um, he's super outdoorsy. He loves to ski and mountain bike and climb. And he was just like, I don't actually think I want this lifestyle. Like, this is actually not that interesting to me. I don't want to be in a city like this. You know, I want deep community. Like I want to be rooted in a place. I want to know what I'm doing in six months. And so I think it was actually very helpful for him to just go. And then he realized it wasn't, wasn't for him. Um, so I would say, yeah, maybe for those reasons, just going is good because it allows you to kind of get a taste for it. And also the moment you're in, you know, a co-working space with a bunch of people who've already figured this out, like that can be so inspiring and so helpful. You know, so many people that I talk to, they're like, how do I get started with this? Like, am I crazy for wanting this? Right. Am I crazy for thinking like, is this even possible? And I'm like, yeah, of course it's possible. You know, but if you're not around people who are doing the thing that you are interested in doing, it's just, it, it doesn't seem possible. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I normally give the opposite advice, but I think mm. it really depends on your situation. Like you said, your skill sets, your runway, and like what you ultimately want to do. Because if you know that you want to do this business that you really like, you know, this is what you want to do, it might be better for you to keep your job so that, you know, on the evenings you can focus on you know, that business and building that up because like, I think there's people who the lifestyle, the digital nomad lifestyle is more important. And then there's other people who the business is more important, yeah. if that makes sense. And you almost totally. like, you almost need, you almost want to figure that out first. If that's like your route, you know, I also think there's a huge difference between starting and running a business and freelancing. I mean, mm -hmm. like with freelancing, typically you, it's a little bit less guessing and it's a little bit more of a sure path in the sense that probably you're providing a skill that very clearly a lot of people are paying for, right? Like you, you're already, there's already, you can already have confidence that there's demand for it. And then it just is about delivering that value well and figuring out how to get in front of clients. Um, I think it's pretty big difference to start a business, especially if you don't know if there's, you know, you don't understand the demand and you're not exactly sure how to, how to build something of value. Um, 
so obviously like a business, typically you'd have, you know, much, much longer runway would be necessary depending, but you know, it's, it's just more uncertainty. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I totally agree with, um, kind of the point that you made with your friend's example. Like that's, that's a really great point, you know, is to, I think there's a lot of people who think that this is like the end all be all goal. And like when they become digital nomads, <laughs> like all of a sudden all their problems are going to be solved and they're going to be happy every day. Um, but you don't know that, or you don't even know if you're going to like it until you try it. So if, especially mm-hmm. if you're like younger and you have like, you know, five to $6,000 saved up, like I can name you a list of a hundred places you can go to that you can live off of a thousand bucks a month, like pretty okay. Um, mm-hmm. And so that could be a really great way to like test it and see if it is something that you want to do. And then maybe come back afterwards, you know, stay with your parents and be like, okay, I had this experience. Let me reassess and see what I want to do next. Totally. That's actually one of the things that I mentioned in, in my TED talk is um, this idea of life experiments, which actually was originally a concept I learned from Derek Sivers, who's one of my favorite writers and bloggers. Um, but it's kind of my point is that like, and, and what he talks about with life experiments is that it's like, if you, if you have an idea of something you might want to do, like don't fantasize about it, just go try it. And um, what I would say is that, yeah, if you have the savings, you know, if you have the runway to be able to go try something, like it's probably best to try it first because you might not even like it, right? Or you might really love it. And like you said, like we were talking about, you, you find other people who can help you really make it a reality. Um, what I talk about in the TEDx talk is, is, you know, if you are already location independent and have, you know, part-time work, that affords you a lot more freedom to try things, right? Like then you can combine, you know, this idea of offering your services for free, like free work. Um, and, you know, then you can basically, like my, my thing is like, you could theoretically work with almost anyone anywhere in the world once you figure that out. Yeah, I think like w- one of the things that I've been kind of thinking about recently and really leaning on is that I think everybody needs to be location independent. I don't necessarily mm. think you need to be a digital nomad, quote unquote. Uh, like bouncing around every month. I don't think that's for everyone. Um, Or I think that you should be doing all the time. But in my opinion, remote work and that shift to being location dependent, because there's a difference there, right? Is you can be a remote worker, we'd be stuck in like a a single time zone or in in a city or whatever. But I almost think that that shift to being location dependent helps you go from living to work to working to live, Hmm. which then almost allows you to have life experiments, like you said, or explore new parts of the world. Or like to me, even though there's a lot of shitty things that happen in the world all the time, it's one big playground. And like, why would you choose to only play in this one sandbox in this one place when there's so many other sandboxes and swings and slides all over the world that you can go explore? And and I think that especially for people in their 20s, like you and I and, and a lot of people listening, I think like that is such a great opportunity for you to work to then be able to live and experience new things. Mm-hmm. Totally. And, and I think for me, it's like it, it depends. It really does depend like what you want. Right. And, you know, I think that I mean, this is something that I've I've been thinking a lot about is like if you are if your main focus is. Being the most successful tech entrepreneur, right? Then like, yeah, you, you could 
be a successful tech entrepreneur and live in, you know, Columbia for sure. And I actually have a friend who does that. And I, I just interviewed him and this is his point is that you can make that happen. Um, but I don't know. I think there is something to be said about like really intentionally choosing your environment. And so if that's the most important thing to you, then I, I might say, well, maybe it actually is the best thing for you to be based in, you know, San Francisco. Um, that said, I think like, after COVID-19, I'm pretty sure like an enormous uh, percentage of the population in San Francisco who has high paying tech jobs are going to be remote. Um, you know, same thing with like, if you want to be a filmmaker, it's like, and you want to make movies, you know, in Hollywood, it's like probably going to Hollywood is the way to go. But for me, I am fascinated by culture and I'm, ex I'm fascinated by, you know, different countries and the way that different people around the world live. And I'm fascinated by languages and, and exploring new places. And that just like, you know, that just, that just lights me up, you know? And so I kind of feel, I don't know, I think especially like in my twenties, I want to see as much of the world as possible. You know, it's like, I'm not ready to sort of like settle and, and sort of be in a bubble of one place. Um, yeah. So I think if like, you know, if that's what you, if that's something that's interesting to you, if you have the sense of wanderlust of like, what else, what else is out there in the world? Um, then I think like, you know, we're at sort of this really interesting time where for the first time you could actually have a very um, legitimate, um, amazing professional career and be able to do that at the same time. It's actually funny. I was talking with one of my friends in, in Antigua who's a little bit older than me. And she was saying, she's like, you know, we used to do this, but like, it was just called like traveling, you know, and like, we would just get bartending jobs and we would like, you know, go, you know, you know, work out of hostels. And, you know, it was more like you would go to the place and you would, you would find a gig there and you'd find a way to make money and find a way to fuel your travels. Um, and actually it's interesting in a way, I'm kind of like, that feels a little nostalgic now. I'm like, I almost kind of like, I almost like that idea because now I'm sort of living between these two worlds where I'm in a place and I can be very present in that place and experience that culture, but like my work, so sort of like my day to day is virtual and it's happening in the States, in the US. And so it does feel like sometimes this little bit of like trying to balance these two different worlds. Um, but I don't know, both are good, you know, and, and it is cool. It's really amazing to be able to have a really great professional career and to be able to work on a podcast and all these things um, while getting to, to travel and explore. Yeah, I've I've actually thought about that before as well because I have a friend like you who's been a digital nomad before digital nomading was a thing, and he talked right. about you know bartending in like Ibiza, you know, and like that was how he made money to stay out there and keep partying, you know, and right. but at the same time, like I do wonder if that's like a little bit of like golden age thinking, like you're like, mm. oh man, that must have been nice back then because you know you didn't have to check your Slack and like your cell phone wasn't blowing up, but then you're if you know you were in that position, you'd probably be like, man, I just wish I could sit down in a coffee shop and just do my work and like <laughs> right. leave. And like, you know, uh, so I do, I, I think maybe it comes down to like working to live and saying, Hey, like I'm going to bartend two hours a day or, you know, over here and kind of get that experience a little bit as well. Uh, I had Vincent Nguyen on the show who actually has a very successful uh, Facebook ad agency and kind of said, fuck it, and has made enough money not to have to worry about money. He's about our age and uh, decided to go back home and become a bartender and worked like two shifts and was like, nope, 
not, not worth it. You know, not what I thought it was going to be. So, um, but again, it it just, yeah, it just gives you the ability to do that and not really have to worry about it. Um, Mm, so that's, mm -hmm. you know, and I will say with that, so I agree, like what location independence does, the more freedom you have to be where you want to be, uh, means that you also have to be more intentional about where you choose to be. And then the paradox of choice kicks in, right? Which is something that I'm trying to get better about too. It's like, well, like, I don't even know where I'm going to be in, uh, September. I have no idea, <laughs> you know? And, and, and there is something about that that does get tiring where you're just like, well, I could be here or there or there. Um, so I, I do think it does take a lot of, like, you have to be very intentional about, about where you choose to be. Um, and you have to be very intentional. Like if you want more stability in your life, you have to say, I'm going to sign a year lease like you did, right? You have to be Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to be very intentional about this choice rather than before it was sort of like the terms of the job said you have to be here. Yeah, I think, and and this goes back to another point that you made earlier about kind of like, like, like being location dependent is a good thing if it's like, if it's helping your end goal. Um, and that's something that my friend Dan Andrews talks about. Um, he talked about when he was on the show of you know, a few episodes back about like, you know, he talked about, yes, even though he was a digital nomad, when he got started, the reason why he was nomadic was to go to these places to work with people to build their business. So Mm -hmm. it's almost like, and I wanted to make this point earlier. It's like, if you want to be, you know, the next big tech entrepreneur, maybe spend the year looking around the world at what is the best tech hub for your business right? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's Silicon Valley. Maybe it's, you know, uh, any one of a dozen others that are around the world, you know, Hong Kong, whatever. Um, And so I do think that you need to be intentional about where you are and both in a lifestyle and a work thing. Yeah. The other thing that I'll add on to that is I think that having some tie to the place makes it more meaningful. A hundred percent. Like if you're, you know, a lot of digital nomads, it's just sort of like, where's the next cheap, place that like has a sick beach that's undiscovered you know I think that gets really tiring you know like I I get it like a lot of people are just trying to get to the point where they have that level of freedom and then that's exciting but like having a reason to be somewhere because it's tied to the location makes it so much more meaningful you know like I I I was you know before this I was in Guatemala because I was getting ready to produce a a month-long co-living experience and that was awesome because you know, I was, I was hosting dinners every week, really like really rooting into the community. I had so much interest and desire to, to, to network and to get to know people and to understand the place. And that just made it so much more interesting to be there. And I felt so much more warmth and so much more belonging there than just being in a place just because it happens to be cheap and like the quality of life is nice. So I think the more that people can say, like, I want to be here because this is happening here, or, you know, I want to, I, I want to do something here, or I want to um, support this initiative here, whatever it is, I think it, I think it can give it more meaning. Yeah, I think like, this happened to me, and I don't know if it if it's happened to other people as well. Um, I would imagine it has, but I think like, the first year or two of me being a digital nomad, it was like, I want to go here because I want to experience that place. I want to yeah. see this country. I want to go to this beach, you know, whatever. But then after it was almost like exactly what you're saying is I want to go to these places with a purpose. I don't want to go see another museum. 
I want to go to this place because there's a conference there or there is this really cool like I don't know, like co-working space there that I want to check out or there's this event happening that I want to meet the you know there's almost like like traveling with a purpose that's further than just being in that location makes it just so much sweeter yeah or like hey my best friend happens to live in Peru Yep. And rather than having to like take off time from work to go visit him for uh, like a week, I'm going to just go like rent a place next to his for a month or two, you know, like that kind of, you know, even that and could be enough of a reason to go somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to shift a little bit and talk about passion because it's something that you mentioned in your TED talk about, you know, when you left school, you weren't sure what to do because you know, you didn't feel that that software engineering and what you had graduated with was really your passion. And I heard mm -hmm. a really interesting quote recently by Tom Billy from Impact Theory, in which he described finding your passion, quote unquote, not as an archaeological dig, but an architectural build. Um, and I kind of wanted mm -hmm. to hear what you thought about that. And, you know, what has been the process that you've taken to find your passion. Uh, what is your opinion, first of all, on this idea of not finding your passion, but building your passion? Um, mm. And what have been some of the steps that you personally have taken in order to feel like you are more working in something that you're passionate about? Yeah, okay. So a few things. One is that um, I think that this sort of like following your passion, my thing is like follow your curiosity, you know, because your curiosity is that thing that you just keep thinking about or the thing that like, when you hear about it, you're like, huh, wait, what, what, what's that? Like, I'm, it's this feeling of intrigue. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the reason I stayed in Southeast Asia was, was curiosity. I was just like, wait, what are these people doing here? You know, I want to understand this. Um, same thing. I, I talk about in my TEDx talk. I, I, you know, met this, um, guy at a, at a conference, actually hatch in Mexico city. Um, and you know, he was telling me about his experiential dinner company. And, you know, literally for years, I have been writing down notes in notebooks and just thinking about like, how do you redesign a space or an experience to make it more magical, to, to, to allow people to connect in a more meaningful way, to sort of be like the anti-mundane, you know, like the anti-networking event um, and, and just, you know, create more meaning in, in that sort of um, event or environment. And so when he was telling me about the thing, I was like, Oh my gosh, I've been thinking about this for so long. And that has been always something that has come up over and over again that has been a curiosity. And so I sort of just followed that. Um, and so now I would say definitely like one of my passions is bringing people together, building community, like live experience design. Um, so I, I feel like it's, I think it's like curiosity. And it's also like, there's just certain things we know, like when you, when you keep coming back to the same thing, to the same fantasy, even the same idea, like that you can't stop thinking about something and it keeps coming up. I think that's, that's worth at least pursuing because once again, it's one of those things where if you are just fantasizing about it and you've never actually tried it, you won't know if it's maybe something you're meant to do. So my whole thing is like, how can you eliminate the friction to be able to try those things, to be able to like follow that, that curiosity. You know, and, you know, to be honest, it's like, I also, uh, a friend of mine actually at a hatch event um, years ago, you know, he said, you know, passion is a moving target. And I think that's super true. Like 
we, there's certain things that we can be super fired up about. I mean, there's a few people that have this, you know, it's just, they are fixated on one thing their whole, their whole life and they're obsessed about it and they just, you know, that's their thing. Um, but I think for a lot of people, it's more like, oh, this is really interesting. You know, let me explore it fully all out. And then at some point it might not be as interesting anymore. You know, actually, I think I referenced briefly in the TEDx talk, this uh, talk that Elizabeth Gilbert gave. I think if you just type in like the hummingbird, Elizabeth Gilbert, it'll come up. Mm -hmm. And she talks about like two different archetypes of people, like the jackhammer and the hummingbird. And the jackhammer are people like her who just like, they know what their passion is, right? They're the ones who are like six years old and they're like, I'm going to be a doctor. And they, you know, and they just do it, right? Um, and they're pretty obsessive. And then there's people that are like the hummingbirds and her point is like, that's okay. There's people who are like, their job is to sort of like move through the world, stringing ideas together, like cross pollinating the world. And uh, I think, you know, for better, for worse, I'm kind of the hummingbird. Like there's just a lot of things that interest me. And at least right now in my life, I'm just focused on exploring those different curiosities and trying to sort of like drink fully from them. Yeah, I think for people who kind of um, agree with you about being kind of like a hummingbird, uh, a really interesting thing to look into is the um, the term multipotentialite uh, by Emily Wapnick. Uh, she has this mm. great TED Talk as well about what it's like to be this sort of person and how to build a career around being interested in a lot of different things as opposed to being this like one idea, like one you know thing that you do, uh, which yep. is really pushed on us by society. Um, I'm curious though about something that I struggle with and I know a lot of other people struggle with as well, which is find kind of like finding this balance between like work and chasing your curiosity. Uh, is that something that you struggle with? Is that something that you have found some sort of like answer around or some sort of strategy around? (laughs) That's a great, it's a great question. Um, yeah, totally. Because it's like to achieve anything great, you need to sort of stick with it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, maybe that's why I've chosen to do a podcast, right? Because it sort of allows me to to explore the, my curiosity while sticking with a project. Um, Interesting how we both have <laughs> podcasts for the same reason. Yeah, right. Right. Like my the idea behind Radically Different is like, you know, a platform where I'm like, oh, someone's doing some like this thing in the world. Like, I just want to go investigate that. I want to get to know them. I want to go try it for myself and I'm going to record the whole process. Um, so, and why do you do that? Like, like, I'm curious as to like, what is the, are you looking for something? Like, are you looking for something that you see and you hear and you're like, Oh, that's it. Like, that's what I want to pursue. Or is it almost like the pursuit is the end goal for you? I would say, I guess I would probably say that the pursuit is the, I mean, it's kind of about the experience of it, right? It's about sort of the journey of seeing how something will unfold. Mm. Um, because I know that like, there's a lot of, I think there's like people who do podcasts who are almost like, let me dip my toe and learn more about a whole bunch of different like fields and different things that I could do. And it's almost subconscious. Like they're looking for a direction to go in and this is like mm. their way of doing it. Or like you said, it's almost like, you're so curious about so many different things that it's almost like you want to like dip your toes in all of them. And, and that's the goal is to like be able to dip your toes in all of them. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing I'll say is I think maybe it's been an evolution. Like, 
for me, probably two years ago, starting out, it was more like literally like I just want to I want to just like really expand my possibility of my awareness of possibility, you know, and um, I'm still interested in that. Like I'm still interested in people who are doing things in a way that's like very, you know, who are living lives that are very different than than mine. But I think maybe the the focus now has shifted a little bit more into people who are doing things that are radically different that I, there's a piece of that that I sort of aspire to become or I aspire to do myself. So it's a little bit more targeted now, I would say. Um, and I'm not sort of shutting off the possibilities of like, you know, some random story to chase in some random part of the world. Um, but I guess, yeah, it's maybe like a little bit more narrow, a little bit more strategic of like, these are the people doing the things that I think are really interesting in the world that like, I want to either create relationships with them. I want to be, you know, to support them in their work. I want to bring them into my network. Um, and I want to learn more about what they're doing, you know? So I, I would say maybe that's a little bit more of the direction that I'm headed in now, at least. But what I keep coming back to and what I try to always remember is just keep it like, like what is, who are the, what are the conversations that I want to be having back to curiosity of just like, in a way, maybe it doesn't, you know, it's like, obviously I, I, I really pride myself on creating good content for my audience, but it always like the litmus test is, does this interest me? Is this thing curious for me? Um, and so just sort of trying to trust that I think is the, the most important thing. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. I like, I have a very similar feeling as to like why, not just podcasting, but why being location dependent and living as digital nomad is so interesting and satisfying to me. And I think it has something to do with putting me closer to people who are living in the fringe. Like, um, yeah. hmm. I remember when we went to Bangkok and I was just walking down the street and for whatever feeling, for whatever reason, I mean, I had this feeling of like, you're walking down this like street where there's like, you know, like those like side shops that are almost like falling apart. Somebody's selling fish, like this kind of stuff. And then you look up and there's this like giant, beautiful, sparkling new like skyscraper. And I just was like overwhelmed by this feeling of like, or imagining this, like there's probably some guy up there who figured out Bitcoin really early like there's almost some sort of like sketchiness going on, like, you know what I mean? And like made a ton of money and there's, it's, it's like this, like, and it's, I love that. Like, I love people who are on the fringe in that way, because I think that, you know, those are the people that are the most interesting. Like there's the, you know, there's that totally. quote of like, there's a fine line between like crazy and genius. And I think that that's where that exists is in that fringe and people who are digital nomads and kind of doing the crazy things that people that we know do those are the people that live in the fridge. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think um, for me, part of it is just, it's just, uh, and, and maybe, maybe I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie, like mm. an experience junkie in a way. And that's something I'm conscious of. And I'm trying to sort of, you know, not always just be chasing these highs, but I just think it makes life so much more interesting. I mean, like the past two years of my life had just been like wildly interesting. You know, when I was when I was in um, Chiang Mai for you know the first you know I was when I was first in Southeast Asia. You know, I didn't really have 
that many friends there. Like I didn't really have a community there, but I honestly at that time did not care. Like I just had this feeling of like, I'm on an adventure and I would call friends and they'd be like, how you're doing? I'm like, I'm really good. Like, this is just like, I'm staying here because it's wildly interesting. Hmm. And, you know, since then I've been moving around a lot and I've, I want to, last time when I was in, you know, I moved to Guatemala, I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm tired of restarting constantly. And now it's a little bit more of this feeling of like, how do I maintain some level of um, sort of stability and commitment while leaving space on the side for spontaneity and exploration? Mm. I want to ask you here a little bit about like, so what do you do now? I know that you, you know, have kind of done these like life experiments, but like, what do you do as like an income at the moment? Um, like, yeah, just like, what, yeah. what do you do as an income at the moment? And like, how did you find that opportunity? Yeah, sure. So currently I work 20 hours a week as a location independent software engineer. And actually it's my, the, I work with a startup um, that's actually my, my college roommate's company. Um, they're actually based here in Bozeman, Montana. So I've actually been in the office, um, quite a bit, um, this summer, which has been actually really nice. Mm -hmm. Um, but what happened there is, you know, I actually, and this kind of gets to a point of like, I really encourage people if they haven't tried freelancing to do it because it gives you this sense of autonomy where you realize that you are capable of making your own money and doing things on your own. And I think that if you haven't done that before, it's this feeling of like, well, I have to find a job. Like I have to, and then it's, there's this fear related to leaving a job. Like, well, if I leave this job, you know, and the hiring process is usually quite horrible. Um, and so I think it gives you this sort of sense of confidence of like, okay, I could do this on my own if I needed to. So what happened for me is I was, you know, uh, freelancing in, in Southeast Asia I had suddenly gotten this taste of like what it was like to be working 15 hours a week with like a weekly check-in and still making enough money to survive. And it was awesome. And I was like, there's no way I'm going back to working 40 hours a week as a software engineer. Like no way, you know? Um, and so when I came back to the States for Christmas, I was back in Bozeman and, and I actually, the, the founder of, of this company that I work for now reached out and was like, Hey, we're looking for engineers. Are you interested? And I said, yeah, but it would have to be part-time remote, right? They had, at that point, they had no remote employees, definitely no part-time employees. Um, and they were sort of like, okay, fine, because we trust you and, you know, you know we get it. And so, uh, so, yeah, I sort of had that leverage because I had had the experience of doing it myself, which I think, like, that's my point, is that it's, it's pretty important to have had that experience because it gives you the confidence and it gives you that, that sort of bargaining power. Yeah. I love that. I love that idea of like freelancing at least a little bit. Cause you know, you almost have the skill to make money no matter what it's similar to like, what I talk about, like, like to me, the skill of like entrepreneurship is like a really important one to learn because once you learn it once, it can almost like help you in any, yeah. like in any pursuit, you know, it's, it's a problem solving skill, right? It's like, I understand how to identify problems, how to like come up with like good solutions and how to like distribute those solutions. That's all entrepreneurship is. And even like now in like COVID with everything kind of like blowing up, I'm, I guarantee you there's people that are like figuring out how to like survive in this situation. Oh, yeah. um, so I, I love that idea. 
Um, where do you think, you know, like, do you see yourself continuing with the whole, you know, digital nomad lifestyle? And where do you see the digital nomad movement going from here? Mm, yeah. So for me personally, I, at this point, I, I just can't see not being location independent into the future. I mean, at least having that ability. It's like once you've had a taste of it, I just, it's so hard to imagine not having that. The other thing is that, so this leads into the second question, where do I see this going? You know, I was talking with um, a, a podcast guest and um, I'm actually going to release this update with him soon, but he was saying, you know, digital nomadism is, is canceled for 2020, right? But 2021, 22, 23, I mean, I don't know, man, I think we are, COVID-19 has, we've hit this inflection point where I just think that like what's about to happen is just going to be so different than, than even the world we've been experiencing. I mean, I can't remember if these stats are exactly right, but like I was saying, someone was telling me that it's like something like, you know, 200,000 engineers or like, you know, um, not engineers, but 200,000 employees in Silicon Valley um, basically went remote overnight, right? And many of those people are making over $200,000 a year. So like what happens when suddenly you don't have to be in San Francisco to have a tech career? You know, like I, I just think that like so many people have now for the first time had the experience of working remotely for an extended period of time. And they're not going to want to give that up. You know, they're not going to want to give up the flexibility of being able to visit their friend and not have to take time off. Um, you know, my dad is, you know, was working remotely for the past several months and he loves it. Right. Um, I don't think that remote work is the end all be all. I don't think that all work is better done remotely. Um, but I mean, I think that location independence is just going to become more and more of a thing. You know, the other thing is like, I did an episode, um, there's a few episodes I've done that just like blow my mind. And, and one of the ones I did was um, this season one, it was uh, the location independent revolution in the new American dream. So it was like digital nomadism part one. And in it, um, this guy, Tom Canal just talks about like this idea of this new American dream where, you know, he's like basically um, for the past, you know, 50 years, you know, um, wages, uh, you know, the GDP of the U.S. has increased, but wages have basically flatlined. So your spending power has basically decreased. And his point is like, so then you have all these people who like go to Thailand and they're able to live on like, you know, 20% of what they would have to pay in the U.S. And for the first time, they're able to like spend all this time reinvesting in skills um, and in their passions. And he's like, in a way, this is kind of like the new American dream. And he's like, once people realize, you know, that, you know, a flight to Thailand is 700 bucks and then you can, you know, have a great quality of life and live for a thousand dollars a month. It's just like, you know, the only thing that's stopping that from happening is people are comfortable in their culture. Um, so I think things are just going to change very, very rapidly. Um, and I think that that's both great um, in some ways for individual freedom I think it will bring wealth to different parts of the world that previously did not have it. And I also think it's going to lead to a lot of um, basically global gentrification. And there will be some, there will be a lot of instances where places really get, you know, sort of overrun and are, and the culture um, 
will be changed regardless. So uh, I think it's super interesting. I think it's a very interesting movement to be a part of because I think there's a lot of opportunity to shape how it, how it all kind of um, turns out. Yeah, I, uh, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, there's some of the like OGs in this movement that have been like doing this like before 2011, you know, 2010. Yeah. And, you know, Peter Levels is one of those people who's like thrown mm-hmm. out some of these like crazy, like, oh, there's going to be 1 billion digital nomads or like whatever. And he's kind of talked about like the second wave. And it's almost like I see the second wave now, oh, you yeah. know, and it's almost like 2011 to 2021 is going to be in my opinion, like the first main wave, I'm sure there were people before, you know, kind of like Tim Ferriss wrote and kind of like Tim Ferriss wrote the four hour work week and it became big. But I think that 2021 to 2031 is I'm very, I think I I totally agree with you. I think it's just gonna, my dad is a digital nomad now. Uh, He's a personal (laughs) trainer and he's like working remotely. My mom, who's an accountant worked remotely for like a month and her company had to like drag her back, kicking and screaming to come back to the office. And I think it's being a remote worker and then taking that one extra step to then going like, okay, listen, I already work remotely. Can I just go to Thailand for a month and hang out? And like, you won't see any issues for me from work is like just one step easier. And so I couldn't agree with you more about like, I think things are just getting started. Um, and we're about to see a lot of people come into this movement. Totally. I mean, and this is like something I've just been fascinated by recently. And actually I have a series of episodes coming up that are just trying to explore this topic of like, what does this mean? Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just very interested in like, how is this all going to play out? And, and also, you know, how do we try and be a part of this in a responsible way? You know, cause it's like, there is so much privilege involved in being sort of in our position of, you know, it's like, you know, being a, you know, six months out of college and living in this like ridiculous apartment in Chiang Mai, you know, like it's just, there's, I don't know. And, and so with that, I think comes like a certain level of just, you know, responsibility and, and ability to, to, you know, be as good of a global citizen, I guess, as, as we can be. You know, and I think that starts with having the conversation, acknowledging that it's a thing. Um, and then, you know, I have people like, um, you know, there's organizations like Nomads Giving Back, for instance, that are sort of talking about this and helping to try and shape the direction of this movement. Yeah, I, lo- I love that term that you said, global gentrification. That's I, I haven't heard that before, but that is that is spot on. Um, and if you want to see an example of that, go to Bali, uh, because okay. that is yeah. just... Chengu is like I like I am imagining the Wikipedia page of that term and just a picture of like Bali next to it. So, <laughs> right. uh, yeah. Yeah. But Sam, listen, man, uh, thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate it. This has been an awesome conversation. Um, I'd love to have you back on sometime to talk about kind of like these final topics that we touched on because I feel like yeah. these are a whole new topic and conversation that are super exciting to me as well. Uh, but, you know, in wrapping up, you know, tell people kind of like, where can they find you on social? Uh, where can they check out your podcast, Radically Different? Yeah, yeah. So the podcast is called Radically Different. Um, you can find it online. It's on all the major platforms. Um, you can go to radicallydifferentpodcast.com. Um, and then also you can you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. The handle on both of, both of those is uh, Radically Different Podcast. 
Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, all the best. Yeah, thank you. This was an awesome conversation. Really enjoyed it.